Based on new data and rising crop prices, it looks like farmers may be heading back into the market for new equipment. What might that mean? Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at issues across the country as reported by our editors. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. We're talking equipment and replacement this week as Mike Wilson, editor of Farm Futures, shares thoughts from a recent story he did with an Illinois farmer. Mike discusses the fact that the inventory on farms is aging, and he shares how technology may shorten the replacement cycle. It's a freewheeling discussion about equipment, technology, and when to upgrade. Let's listen. Mike, uh, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Good to have you on again. Hope you're doing well. Thank you, Willie. Today, uh, we're talking about an interesting topic. You had a story recently online and about, uh, maybe it's just because it's $11 soybeans on the board. I don't know, that people start talking about replacing equipment now. Um, but you had an interesting conversation with a farmer about that very topic, and I thought you brought up some interesting things. What What are you seeing when you talked to him and what when you dug into this story? What were you finding out? I talked to Steve Hedinger. He's a farmer in central Illinois. Um, we talked about several things, of course. He's a great guy, very engaging. He's a seed dealer as well as a corn and soybean farmer. Um, we started talking about equipment and we talked about uh, what does it, uh, what are the return on investment keys for a farmer when they decide they need to make some changes in their equipment fleet. And this is my conversation with Steve was back in July when uh, I don't know what corn prices were back then, but they're probably about 25% lower than they are now. So it's kind of funny how it came together. Uh, Steve was talking about how he's trying to squeeze every last drop out of this old equipment he was running. He's talking about these 10-year-old planters and uh, old combines and what you know what's going to have to happen for him to to tar- start upgrading. And he said, you know, we've got to start looking at $4 corn or something over $10 for soybeans. And lo and behold, that's where we are. You probably saw the ag economy barometer that's uh, been put out by CME and Purdue and their latest uh, barometer, the, apparently the farmer sentiments is uh, just jumping in terms of optimism. And that's what uh, high prices will do for a farmer's outlook. In that uh, survey, the, uh, they were asked questions about farm capital investments and what they plan to do. And there's definitely a, uh, a vibe out there, so to speak. Uh, for people who are looking to make some purchases. I remember Steve Some Steve said something about how a lot of this equipment, no, I take that back. It was an accountant friend of mine who said a lot of the equipment that's been running out there was purchased on the last big boom, 2013, and it's now seven years old. And there's a lot of people who have been itching to upgrade. And I think the two, the two cycles are all starting to sort of come together, so to speak. I feel like the cycle's shorter than it was before. I mean, there were times when you, you'd hang on to equipment for 20 years before you'd replace it. But uh, seven years is more logical. If you look at what equipment did in 2013 and what it can do now, I think that you might be surprised at the updates and the technology that's involved. That's pretty interesting. I know I read your story and Steve is uh, doing everything he can to keep things going um, as long as he possibly can. But, you know, uh, a planter that's that old would not have the latest uh, hydraulic downforce or some of the other tools. You can upgrade some, but you can only upgrade so far. So I think that's interesting because productivity is an issue. No matter how big your farm, um, the bigger you need more productivity. But even on a regular mid-sized farm, 
if you can get more speed out of a planter, that's going to be important, especially now with the weather we've had the last two or three years for planting. It's just getting ugly out there. Well, I I believe that you're right about the 20 years versus today, a shorter timeline. But I remember when my dad was farming in the 60s and 70s and a little bit in the 80s and he would he was very proud to be uh, running his uh, equipment until you know he had no intentions of upgrading equipment that was 15 20 years old unless he really needed something uh, of a higher horsepower or something like that technology really wasn't a factor then now of course technology is a big driver in all of this stuff so you've also you're also t- talking about a 7500 acre grain farm my dad's farm was, you know, tiny, uh, 5% of that. And uh, we didn't have to worry back then about covering our 240 acres in a certain number of days. Um, but today with weather uncertainties and you're trying to get, you know, you have a certain number of days that are available for either spraying, uh, planting or spraying or harvesting, it is definitely a factor about speed and, and technology and the kinds of things you want to do out there. Not to go too far off this track, but to tell you the truth, I think a lot of this has to do with your your uh, desire to uh, avoid taxes. That's when it comes down to it. I think that a lot of these machines might get traded because their accountants, uh, the farmer accountants, are talking and talking to them about what what makes the most sense. And if you can save some on taxes, maybe that's the thing that you need to pull the trigger. Yeah, I, a lot of interesting decisions are made in agriculture based on the tax bill Um, and always have been whether you agree with that or not i think that's a challenge that's always a challenge for me because i i grew up knowing that nobody ever went broke paying taxes but that's a different issue Uh, i think the thing that's interesting from that standpoint is that yes that will be a big driver and the enhanced section 179 that we've had for several years makes it easier to write off that purchase in a single year and can lay off a lot of income although your story points out something interesting they've kind of changed how that works so um, what you might have a three hundred thousand dollar combine and that's just a good example ladies and gentlemen that's not what a combine costs we know that but if you had a hundred thousand dollars in trade in and you had two hundred thousand dollars before you would put the two hundred thousand on section 179 and you still might have a little farm income on your schedule f Today, the entire $300,000 purchase price has to go on your uh, Schedule F as part of your 179, which could change your Schedule F and show you at a loss, which uh, may impact uh, government payments or may impact PPP or something like that. And you need to pay attention to how the accounting works. I mean, Mike, you covered that in your story, and that was a surprise to me. I always looked at Section 179 as just a wonderful thing. And, and it may not be as wonderful depending on your income. So, I mean, if you're looking at buying equipment, you need to talk to your accountant as well as your farm equipment dealer. Well, that's true. I mean, uh, if we're talking about these these uh, programs, these government programs like a PPP, you, you, you got to figure out, you got to have an accountant who is understands how farm programs work as well as tax programs. And you're, it, this also goes back to your business structure. If you're a, a limited liability corporation or a partnership, all these things uh, need to be looked at as one. And you can't just uh, look at one aspect of it. But I think a lot of people uh, who are farming today and looking at big, big new ticket items 
they're 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 wise enough to know they got to talk to an accountant and and to to be honest they really should talk to their banker too because you really got to talk about working capital how much is your working capital some farmers are doing just fine but as you've seen the news the last four or five years we talked about a very weak farm economy and people bleeding their working capital maybe in some situations it's time to put that money away and not necessarily make an equipment purchase, but rebuild your capital or pay down some debt. You know, we had an earlier Farm Futures survey uh, in July, August, and we asked, what will you do with your coronavirus uh, support payments? And the number one thing that the farmers told us was they were gonna pay down their debt, which I think is a very, very uh, smart move, to tell you the truth. But of course, everybody's different, and so, this is you got to work all these uh, angles together. The other oh, thing yeah. to, to think about too is that you don't know what kind of what, how your crop budgets are going to look for 2021. We had 40% of our farm income going coming from Uncle Sam this year, which is a record. It's not going to happen next year. Uh, we don't know what uh, our president-elect is going to do, but I can almost guarantee that USDA and the, the, the folks in charge of the purse, string, purse strings are not going to be sending that kind of money to farmers. Now, it's, it's probably true, and that's something else you need to keep in mind. And also, when you're looking at paying down debt, it's always that available cash, paid down debt issue. You know, some guys uh, years ago, when we had another big bump in income, uh, 2012, 20, 2010, 2012, that time, paid down a lot of debt and then left themselves a little cash poor. And then they had to go back in debt again when things went in the bank, went in the tank. So it, it's always a a balancing act and and yes you're right these as the farms get larger the farms farmers get more savvy about this which is important you know when you look at uh, equipment purchase and you mentioned your your farm your little 240 acre farm with your dad mike we know more about the crop now than we did then uh-huh. we know that every day past may 10th we're dropping a bushel off the potential yield for that corn crop we didn't know that back then per se. We didn't, we hadn't measured. It wasn't a measurable thing. It's a measurable thing now. We know that the, the genetic potential of what the crop we have now truly in the bag is 600 bushels an acre because we've seen it near 550. Yeah, there's no doubt that technology, especially seed technology, has come a, a long way uh, since those uh, a more uh, romantic days where you know you just went out and planted and you planted till you were done and then you know you harvested when you're ready whenever that was it's not like uh our data driven uh uh, business today but the 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 seed tech and the iron tech the hard what i call the software and the hardware of agriculture are starting to play together because Mm -hmm. knowing that i need to get so much in and having an electric meter planter that can get it in and more precisely versus what I used to do, and then the timing for spraying and the timing for harvest, but it all comes together. Then you get into this whole logistics issue, and this is going to be a challenge for anybody buying equipment right now, is if I'm ready to buy, if I buy this, what does it do down the chain of my logistics? So in other words, and combines are the biggest example of this, if I buy, go from a class seven combine to a class eight for 2021, are my grain carts big enough? And I carry that grain off and I'm only going seven to eight. I mean, you talk about eight to nine or now nine to 10 or 10, 11 with some of these bigger combines. Um, 
that's not a conversation where you just go write a check. And that's interesting too. Farmers used to be kind of impulse buyers. Oh, I like that tractor. I think I'll buy it. You know, I've got the cash. I'll buy it. That sounds silly, but it happened a lot. Today, that's not the thought process. And I think you'll find a lot of farmers have a capital expense or a CapEx purchase plan. So they are on track to know that they, if they buy that class eight combine, they need less help. And maybe one of their farm helpers is getting older and wants to retire. So they can't have him in the combine. So, or her in the combine. So they're going to buy that bigger combine, get more productivity. They don't need to change anything else. They just have one less person running combine. Instead of having two in the field, they just have one because the class eight does the job. The set two sevens or maybe a six and a seven were doing before. And so those are the kinds of things that we're really looking at as you look at productivity of pieces of equipment. Do I do a 24 row planter? That's fine. But if I do a high speed planter, then I don't have to buy anything else because I can that I that, well I may have to worry about tending the darn thing because <laughs> you'd be amazed at how fast a, a 10 mile an hour planter goes empty but it's like that's a less issue yet I can plant the same acres with one person that might have taken two before I think that whole question of farm size and uh, making sure you're you are have the appropriate kind of horsepower and all that stuff has to go into your, go into your decisions, but you know you think about how uh, so much farmland is owned uh, by uh, older generations. Is that land going to change hands? Do we continue to think that these farms, who are well positioned and well managed, are going to grow exponentially? Are we? And then you throw on top of that. The question about where is autonomous going to take us? Is that the is that just too much of a wild card for the here and now decision of do I want that combine? Yeah, of course it is. But you know better than I do. In the next what two to three four years, we're going to see this revolution of some kind, where autonomy is not going to be this fun odd thing that you see over at a farm show, but rather it's just going to be working in the fields. Nobody's going to think second twice about it. It's going to happen. So how does that then impact all of your equipment decisions? Well, and I think it does. And I I think that's something to look at. But I I do think it's about four or five years away because there's still a lot of logistic things to work out in that. But in some areas, it's closer. I mean, depending on the kind of crop you raise. I think for corn and broad acre corn and soybeans, it's going to take a little longer. But I do see that it's coming. And yes, I think keeping up on that working with your dealer or understanding where the technology is going is going to be important. I don't see anything in the majors showing up yet. Although the other side of it is look at the autonomy that's already in the machine you drive. I mean, I'm working on a story now. Deer just made a bunch of announcements on their software. And one of the pieces of software they put in there is basically so good that a journalist can run it. I mean, (laughs) it's just that simple. And I think the idea is that when you get in a machine, and it knows the rows because it knows from when it was planted and the combine knows from back when, when it was planted, how to line up and how to start that, open that field up because it's got a path built in. It's called auto path. Deer's got this. It, it changes how you think. Now, Deer's not the only one. That's other stuff coming, I'm sure. But I think that you look at, um, I think I've talked about this before. This is the robot you're already driving kind of mm-hmm. situation. We've automated so many things that you're on board now as a monitor. 
eventually you won't have to be there and that can happen with some existing equipment and it'll be interesting to see how that goes but what that means mike is maybe the same number of machines are moving but there's less people out there and so we'll see how that that plays out as always mike it's good to talk to you on the around farm progress podcast i think we're going to see a lot of interesting stuff in the next two or three years but i think into december it's going to get kind of busy at the farm equipment dealership what do you think I do agree that I hope those guys are ready, and I'm sure that they'll welcome all that business because it's been a long time coming for some of those folks. Yeah, that's true. Well, thanks very much for your time, sir. You have a great day and stay safe. You too. Whether it's a tax move or a chance to go bigger for more productivity, equipment buying time may have arrived. We'll be interested to see how this plays out through December. Figures from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers already show a rise in sales of over 100 horsepower tractors, and the equipment purchase trend line for 2020 far outpaces the five-year trend, the organization reports. Interesting indeed. You've been listening to Around Farm Progress, our weekly look at agriculture across the United States with editors from the Farm Progress team. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands as well as farm futures, beef, national hog farmer, and feedstuffs, and the new Farm Progress virtual experience. If you didn't tune in to the premiere of the Farm Progress virtual experience, you can still visit the site to see more. Just visit farmprogressshow.com for a direct connection to the virtual event. And while it's rich with field demonstration content, I would also recommend checking out the trade show experience where you can search hundreds of exhibitors by name or by specific product category. If you're looking for it, you can find it there. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.